0: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sue Costello.
1: Hi everybody, it's me, Sue Costello, and here we are with the rebranding. It used to be the Caducey cast. now it's called I Am Sue Costello. Because that's what everything's going to be called from now on. Because that's who I am. I am Sue Costello. I even had a sitcom that was called Costello. That was my show, and they made me be called Sue Murphy. <laughs> so just despite them all, I'm going to be called Sue Costello. And my show, everything. I am Sue Costello. My play, everything. My book's going to be I am Sue Costello. All of it. Hashtag for the kids. You know. So I'm here with Walker Re- Vreeland. I want to make sure I say your name right. Say hi, Walker. Hi. <laughs> so. Walker, I met Walker, uh, because I did my play out at the guild hall in, in the Hamptons and he had a radio show and we just, how long, we did it like an hour interview. Yeah. We talked for a long time on the we radio, right? We had a great chat. Yeah. And then we just clicked. Yeah. And then I came to see your one man show, which was amazing. Everybody's going to have to go see it when oh, he has it. Up well, thank and we'll you. And I saw it.
0: your one woman show, which was incredible. Thank you. Such an inspiration.
1: Thank you. Well, that's what's happening. So everybody, so it's happening. Everything is coming together. And I didn't know what I was doing, but when my sitcom got canceled, I sat back and I said, they're not going to tell me, they're not going to tell me that I can't say what I want to say. And I wasn't conscious. I'm much, as I tell the stories now, I'm much more conscious and it's like hindsight is twenty twenty. As I'm telling you, as I was going through it, I wasn't as clear as I am now, but I did, my, my unconscious was always leading me this time in a healthy way. <laughs> Usually sometimes leads people in an unhealthy way. So um, when I, when the show got canceled, it was so, the whole thing was so just painful. Also, because I didn't want to be just famous. That was one of the main things too, is I remember when um, I was rehearsing and, and we were in the, like this airplane hangar. That's where you do the rehearsing for the sitcom. And uh, I remember I went up to the camera guy and I was like, excuse me. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, so what? what's going to happen is I'm going to come into this airplane hangar at like, eight o'clock in the morning. And I'm going to stay here until one o'clock in the morning every day. And this show is going to go out that camera. And then one day, if it goes out that camera and everybody likes it, I'm going to be so famous that I'm not going to be able to leave the airplane hangar. <laughs> and I just remember my heart sinking so much. Really? And I Yes. I, I'll never forget that moment of just asking him that because it was like, I always had that kind of pragmatic, like I hate it. I didn't like all the fame. I wanted, I like to, I like performing. I love acting. I love letting the energy run through my body. I love the live, I had live audience at the sitcom. So I loved that. I love the energy of making people laugh.
0: But th- the idea of people knowing who you were wasn't appealing to you?
1: No, not just so that they could say, oh, that girl's on TV. That was so weird to me. I'm like, well, that no, I didn't like that at all. And they weren't letting me really say what I thought like half of the show. The reason why I was on the show is because it was me. (laughs) And now looking back over the years, like I think back of all the TV deals I had and the way I was treated and that I didn't even know that that wasn't the way somebody was supposed to be treated because I had grown up in Boston. I didn't have any experience with anybody in Hollywood. So I, and I, my heart was always just like, I loved people. So as corny as that sounds, yeah, yeah, they took it and they manipulated it and they twisted it all around and I let them because I, I didn't know. And there was nobody like me. And the idea is that they, I thought all these people, I mean, honestly, if, if I look back now, I'm like, I thought they were all being so kind to me. And I'll say, I always like to talk about my part that I played in it too. So yes, I was open, but there was a childlikeness to me that was that needed to grow up because that's where I got in trouble is I had this fantasy of like, oh, they're oh, I made it. Oh, like that whole thing that they feed you. They tell you like, oh, you make it, you can be famous. And it wasn't that I wanted to be famous, but this idea of like, you wouldn't have a lot of pain. That kind of idea of like, and these people were all going to do their jobs, what they were set up to do, which was like, be your agent, be your manager. You thought, oh, that's the, like in Boston, you work at the variety store, that's your job. Nobody's trying to like take from you. Like if you come in and you're a stockbroker and you come into the variety store, the variety store person isn't trying to be like, trick you into thinking you're not a good stockbroker so that they can take advantage of you so that they can push their right. varieties to a career Lord, it just right. didn't happen right. so I I didn't have any idea and no agenda never and I even growing up like I was always went to church I always went to confession I always loved people I used to bring people home even I was thinking when I was walking up here we're at the Boogie down Bronx Walker lives in the boogie down Bronx, so that's right. That's where love we are. I You guys, I wish you could have saw me walking through the Bronx <laughs> with everybody and they my my blonde hair, walking through the Bronx and everybody looking at me because my outsides don't look like I belong in the Bronx, but they can feel my insides. They're just looking at me like she got yes. something, some street going on there. <laughs> you know, we're
0: not gonna fuck with her. <laughs> we're not
1: <laughs> when I was thinking about when I, when I first moved to New York and then that's, what's happening to me lately. That's why everything's coming together because you don't, people won't see you until you see yourself. That's what's going on. They will, no matter what they could tell you, you're talented. They could tell you you're off. It doesn't matter what people say until you know yourself. There's no doubt in my mind. So, um, and it's painful, like sometimes it's painful to have to look back. Like I was out to dinner with this, this guy and his girlfriend and she was like, I just want my girl, my friend to have self-esteem. I just want her to stop hurting herself. I just want her to just, and I'm like, she goes, I keep telling her, I keep telling her. And I'm like, yeah, but what you're missing is that if she, if she does take care of herself right now, she's not going to just all of a sudden feel like a million dollars. What happens is, at least for me, and I think this does happen for other people, is you have to feel sad about all the times you didn't take care of yourself. And that's why people have a hard time. Growing is what I really think is the the miss, and also we're taught not to feel.
0: But how would you have learned otherwise? How to grow up? How to take care of yourself? Cause you, I wouldn't have. You were young, you were idealistic, you just wanted to tell your story, right?
1: Yes, and I wanted to make people laugh. That's yeah. all I can tell you. It's like everything in my chest always goes out to everybody. Like, and that's why when I headline, all the comedians they go on before me and they go long, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" They're like, "The crowd is great." I'm like, "Is they there because of me?" Because they know me. Those are my people. But even then, I still didn't have the self-esteem to know that. And I'll get to more, because what I want to talk about today is being a woman in the business. Because the fact that I am doing what I'm doing as a woman, I'm getting goosebumps even talking right now because I'm like... <laughs> so anyway, so so when I was walking up here, I was thinking about when I first moved to New York, I, I took over this thing. Um, I used to teach aerobics to supplement my income. And uh. I took over this thing called Fit Kids America. It was a program that they gave uh, exercise to kids that came from like troubled families. And so the, the one that I took, there were three of them. So the woman, her brother got sick or something. So I took over the one at the Hartley house down on 46th street. And uh, they were all Latino and um, kids of color. And I remember I would say to them like, what's different between us? And they'd be like, your eyes, because <laughs> I had blue eyes. And so there was, so it was amazing to like, be there with them and, and experience something that they hadn't experienced. I hadn't really experienced it either, but uh, I mean, they were adorable. I mean, so cute. Like they would, one was like three years old. And she used to come and she would do her sit ups and she'd be like, oh, 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 And I'm like, you don't have any muscles. They were so cute. Aww. And one girl was running and she's like, oh, holding her side. She's like, oh, oh, my calf. I'm like, that's not your calf. She's like, what is it? My collarbone. I'm like, no, it's your side. <laughs> and God, did I love, I loved going there and I Aww. loved doing that with them. We had so much fun. And so so there was another program up here in the Bronx where one of Madonna's choreographers were, was in charge. And he, um, he quit. And I just remember being downtown and I'm like, I can't do everything. I can't run that too. But I'm like, I cannot leave though. They were, they were older too. They were like 13. And I just remember myself at 13 and I'm like, I can't, I can't just let them just disappear. If that was something that was so important to them and they're 13, I'm like, I have to go tell them. And I went and there was a guy leaning on the, uh, on a mailbox and you could feel he had like just the anger emanating from him. Right. And I remember I walked up to him. I was like, excuse me. And I remember his whole demeanor just changed just instantly. Cause I think he was like, is this girl crazy? It wasn't, I wasn't fitting into what you're supposed to do. Like I was supposed to be afraid of him and, and I was just genuinely like, excuse me. And he was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is stuff like, like I said, in hindsight, like this is what I've always believed. Like everybody does play a role. And then if you treat somebody who's angry worse, then they're going to be, they're going to be scared. But if, if you just naturally come from this place of like, hey, excuse me, I was like, can you tell me where so and so is? I remember he's just he lit up, and he was like, yeah, yeah, you you just go around that corner over there. And I was like, oh, thanks, bye, have a good day. And he like smiled. And he's like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got into the uh, to teach the girls, and they were so tough. Oh my gosh, they were so shut down. Thirteen-year-old girls, it was so they had to have that armor on them. I remember I that's how I was growing up. I've always said like. Oh my gosh i had so much armor on me and it took me forever ever to get all the armor off me and then there was leather underneath and so i went up there and, and same thing so they were so tough and i just literally was like hey you guys i pretended like i wasn't even that they weren't even tough and then i was i think i did the worm you know the worm from like oh, yeah. breakdancing on sure. the floor and they it was amazing they busted open and they just turned into 13-year-old little girls and they were playing on the, they were just being goofy and you silly. You opened up their heart
0: chakras. Yes,
1: without even, with no intention, like never in it that's what you said. What did you say? No agenda. There's right. never an agenda. And that's what, what I never got, that people had agendas and then that I didn't have an sure. agenda. So that's what's coming full circle now and where I'm getting strong enough to, to hold on to that. Like I was just in LA and this guy was like, so I don't, I, I don't know how to respond to this, this genuine thing. Like he literally said that to me, so this whole idea of me rebrand—not rebranding, like just being myself—like I did yoga this morning with this woman, Victoria Green. She's just again, I'm going to mention her because she we did private yoga, and uh, she just my body just like opened up. Like yoga has helped me tremendously with with this whole idea of becoming present. I don't know what happened, but they told me I was ahead of my time back with the show. I've worked on myself for 20 years. I've worked on the play. I've always known what I was talking about. Everybody always yelled at me and told me I didn't know what I was talking about and just stop it. And I never stopped. And now I'm, it's all coming together. And I'm like, how did they know I was ahead of my time? And how did they know time was going to happen? This is crazy to me. And so almost what's happening in the world, I already went through personally. I went through, I lost everything. I went through this period of like, just so much pain. Like, how could, what, how can I even be? And then found out that that was the way to become, to be, to be who I am. So when people are so scared now, I'm not as scared as they are because I know that we're going to pull through it. And the idea of like, somebody has to not fall into the hole, to the hole, to the like rabbit hole. Somebody has to be like a beacon. Somebody has to be somebody that people can look at and go. I remember I was on a radio show and the guy was like so scared. I mean, it was crazy angry. And I just kept saying like, I you know, told my point of view, and afterwards he's like, "Sue, you really calmed me down." Because people just—it's almost like we do get caught up in what we're supposed to be doing and what we—what we what we're, like. This, I, this girl the other day, she was like, "I—I I never knew who I was." She's like, "I used to go to the store and be like, I know what I'm. What, what somebody would tell me I'm supposed to eat." She'd be like, "I know what I'm supposed to eat, but I don't know what I really want." And I'm like, "Yeah, most people don't because every—if you think about it, everybody's talent, everybody." You can't do that. Don't do that. Cut that out. (laughs) And it's all just being passed around. And it's like, and now, like, just the whole way that everybody just, they just attack people and take them out like a gang. Like, this morning, who are they doing it to? Oh, the girl, she gave the finger to um, Donald Trump on her bike. Yeah, it's not my, I would not give somebody the finger. I wouldn't give them the finger, but she's on her bike. They fired her from her job. It's like, yeah, they just, like, And my theory is that there's so much going on, so much abuse of power. They just, they don't want anything to even be like a tiny bit of a show that something might be to get it. They don't want anybody to come close. So that girl giving the finger might've brought them close to the abuse of power. So they attack her. And now what's happening is because I went through it personally, it's not working with me.
0: what do you mean what's not working with you any
1: of this whole mechanism of everybody trying to like scare you it's not even i don't even know if they're trying to it's a way that the whole world is built it's been built on this this abuse of power this like and it's like a it's like a, a greed it's a it's a it's a an addiction it's a it's a way it's a loss of humanity is what i think everybody's so scared and it just keeps spiraling and spiraling and spiraling and attacking people and the press is doing it and everybody's doing it. And you know what I keep realizing is I'm like, I'm strong enough now to take it a little bit and then turn it, turn it, turn it, keep keep going, keep going. And then I'm like, because that idea of like, oh, what's my side of the street? My side of the street, I was saying to somebody the other day, it's really hard for people to stand up for themselves. Obviously, look what's going on with the, with the uh, sex assault stuff. I mean, to ha- to even have the courage to even have it come out of your mouth because this is part of it. This is what I was going to say about the yoga this morning. First of all, there's a thing called disassociation that people do. It happens whenever you're abused or whenever I mean, but people do it all the time with drugs, alcohol, you name it. They're always to survive as yes. a survival mechanism. Yes, right? it is. It's like you can't your body can't handle the trauma, so you have to like pretend it's not happening. So over the past twenty years, I've worked very slowly and very methodically, on my body, on my mind, on my spirit, on everything, so that I could not, so I could stop disassociating, but it has to be done slowly. Because if you don't, if you do it too fast, you probably go mental. And then, so this idea that goes against society too, to go slow, to take time, to not have to worry about what outside the outsides look like and to just do this. So I did this blind faith thing and I, and I found out it's awesome. I always say that to people. Like, this PBS documentary guy was like, I want to do a documentary on you. I'm like, all I can tell you is I where everybody's afraid to go and I found out it was awesome. So this whole idea of uh, disassociating. So you get, you get sexually assaulted. Nobody who wants to admit, this is what I, I want to be very clear about this because this is, this is what I believe is the bottom of all of the things that is going on in the world today. The person who gets victimized does not want to feel that they're being, that it's being, that it's happening. So who wants to sit there and go, this horrible thing and I'm completely powerless and this horrible thing is happening to me. Chances of anybody doing that at few and far between, right? And to have the wherewithal to be present to do it when we're in a, you know, when they, this whole like materialism and everything keeps us from it. And if you sit there and you go, this terrible thing is happening and you, because the only way to deal with it is to push it back. But if you deal with it and you push it back, then then what happens is the person that's doing the terrible thing has to feel that they're doing a terrible thing. Because when they're doing the terrible thing to you, they're they're dumping it in you. And they can keep telling themselves that they're a good person because they got rid of the whatever the yuck was inside of them. So that's what the whole play has become about this whole like, it takes two to tango. It takes two people to, and that's what I, was, I finally realized in my life. I kept trying to like change the game, change the game, change the game. And then one day I was like, well, what if I just don't do the game? What if I just don't do it? I, for me, it's very scary for me to say something out loud, especially like the stuff that I've always kept to myself, like especially saying like, you can't treat me like that or don't, I don't want that to happen. And not, and the other thing is I feel like there's a lot of empaths in the world And nobody has shown them. So the fantasy's over. The fantasy, I believe, was ended on 9-11. That's it. Boom. Our fantasy was ended. We thought we were the, you know, America. We thought we were the greatest. We thought we were invincible. And 9-11 broke that fantasy. And since then, there has been no other, if you want to say DNA, there's no other way of living that anybody has shown us. And that's all because what was happening up until that point, the greed, the I mean, if you think about it, we, we the idea, that's what the play has turned into, doing it to myself. I did it to myself. That idea of like- Your play. Yes, because it's on a personal level. We do do it to ourselves, but it's not like a, not in a shaming way, but if you don't clean out what's inside of you, it's going to come back around like a boomerang. And that's what's happening in the country, in the energy, in the in the, the um, climate. I mean, it's all the climate in the in the Hollywood with the sex stuff, the real climate. It's all, something's really big is going on right now. And if you think about it, all of that was building up in the nineties when I had the TV show and I was trying to tell everybody that this was happening and I was trying to do a show about people and they kept telling me, no, you can't do that. But yet they'd still let me on TV. So that's the good part of it. Right. Do,
0: do, do you mean like you had this cosmic perspective? Yes. yes. Not the, it wasn't the a big, cosmic the it big wasn't, picture, though. but it
1: wasn't all it was, was it the, was the, this? I guess they say the universe is inside of us. So I was in touch with what was inside of me, which was I ne- I always knew that money didn't make people happy. And I always knew that love was more important. I always knew that. And I'm not saying that money isn't part of the whole thing and, and, and we needed to keep it moving and everything. Sure. But when it becomes perverted, that's when you get in trouble. And I always knew that. And the funny thing is they did let me on TV. I was the youngest one. Like, I think one of the youngest. Margaret Cho might have been younger than me. Yeah, Margaret Cho was younger than me. But we were like, there was like five or six of us and like, I'm from Boston. I didn't even know anybody in Hollywood. And I got to like, and I didn't even, I couldn't even own that. And before that, I had a couple of deals and they like literally like just exploited me. And I'm, and cause I could tell 50 stories in a row. I could get on planes. I could get fired. I could show up cause I'm very, I have a lot of stamina. But what I was doing was I wasn't taking care of myself. So that being said, so in the nineties, all this greed, 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 build, build, build. And, and meanwhile, I'm trying to tell them this during this time. Nobody's listening to me. <laughs> But I should have been telling myself too, because what I did was, it was so awful for me, that whole Hollywood experience that I took myself out and I almost didn't care that I lost everything. It's in a way I kind of brought it on myself so that I could get to my core. Because I was so young, where was I going to go if I didn't do something? I mean, I already knew the truth. So it's like, I was lucky in that sense that I got a TV show when I was very young because I got to get there to see that it wasn't the answer.
0: That's when your illusions were yeah. oh, shattered. So oh that's what gosh. you mean when you're saying like it, it. you have this realization before
1: everybody else. Yes. And then, yes. And so what, and I've been around everybody. I have friends that live in the projects and I have friends that are billionaires. Still to this day. So I know, I mean, everybody's stuff is with the same stuff, the human stuff. So it's like I, and none of it makes anybody better or worse or whatever. But they didn't want to hear that because everybody was still in that illusion. And then 9/11 happens, and then so how many years later are we in now? What, seven years, six years later, right? 2000? No, it was 2001. What am I talking about? Right. So, so
0: what? That was uh, 16 years yeah, later. Yes,
1: 16 years later, and it's still, we're still like spiraling out of control yeah. from that because nobody has been able to. Because anybody who would say it, nobody wants to hear it because it's so scary. But the fear is what's taking everybody down, is what I'm saying. So what do we do? Somebody's going to say it and I'm like, well, I'll say it. I'm going to start saying it because, well, okay. So now what I had to do is overcome my own fear of saying it because sometimes I say it and people yell at me or they say, don't say that, or that's not true. And now, but they say what, what do you mean? Like if I say uh, money doesn't make you happy or whatever, they yell at me ah, and I'm like, well, yell at me all you want. And I like, I've researched like $75,000 is the highest you can go with your happiness period. I don't care what anybody says to me. It makes complete sense to me. I'm very pragmatic. Seventy-five thousand dollars.
0: Oh, I see. So before that, it makes a difference.
1: Yes, up until 70, more than that,
0: it doesn't. It doesn't make you happiness. any difference. And
1: that's not me saying like you shouldn't have more money to do more things or whatever. I'm saying beyond seventy-five thousand dollars, your happiness does not increase. And if you now, as I'm saying that, you think about well, what happened to the middle class? The middle class was very happy with $75,000 or, you know, with the house and and maybe a car and a few extra things to buy if they wanted, but, but, but to have a happy life. That's sure. what the middle class was for. The people that were below the middle class maybe have been struggling. Maybe some, some of them like had problems, but that was where the, we were supposed to come in as the middle class and maybe help them not be so destitute, care a little bit, right? And then you have, the more wealthy people that were either born into it or, but people that were born into it a lot more were were philanthropic. They were very philanthropic. And so they would give back and they would, it would be important to them to care about people. So you had this whole setup and it got turned in the nineties, it got turned into greed and the corporations. And and I'd even go back to the industrial revolution. That's when it really, when I made the connection is because when the, uh, the eight hour work week started, the eight hour work day. Uh, we used to sleep four hours and then wake up and have a peaceful time and have sex and and visit and everything was quiet in the middle of the night. And that's when people would have like the spiritual time and then they would go back to bed for four hours and then they would get up and do their jobs, whatever it was. Once they implemented the eight hour workday, they interrupted human sleep patterns. So you're already messing with nature with that. And then you're telling them that they need more and then, but this is where I say, it takes two to tangle, we bought into it. And what's going on is, I think everybody's mad that we all bought into it. I mean, I don't like to always speak about everybody else. I know I was mad that I bought, that I was fed this. Like, I was like, <laughs> bought I bought into all of it. I was like, what? I thought if you bought clothes, you felt better. I thought if you were this, you were better. I thought, I'm like, none of it. And then, so then I feel like then you get more and more angry and you're like, oh my God, this is making me even more angry. And it's the same idea of like, when do you stop? Like i said when do you stop and take personal responsibility and say i'm gonna treat myself better like in order to do that you have to sit with like "Mm, what could i've done this far and then the whole ageism thing is that's a whole nother since i was a kid i was like it is so dumb it's the stupidest thing that to say that being old is bad like but only because everybody gets old that's the only reason i'm very pragmatic i'm not saying it because i'm a woman or whatever i'm saying Who whoever invented that was dumb because they got old too. So they made up their own fear to to hurt themselves. It's this so called they who did that. Where does if you can't even follow back? Why is that? Why is that a fear? Where does that come from? Because we die. But I bet you, if a lot of people woke up and goes, "Well, I'm really gonna die," they might like change their actions. (laughs) I'm just saying. You might be like, "Hey, this is not a dress rehearsal." Uh It's almost like the more than it, I am mean, there's been people who've said this long before me, but they say as soon as, the more you accept that, the free, the more alive you are. So in that sense, and also this idea of this joy and happiness and being joyful and happy is a is revolution. Like you want to be a revolutionary? This is like people, because in this, because a lot of people say, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't. And I'm, and people are always like, why do they tell me they can't? I'm like, because they really think you can't do that. I've done so much, okay, so the, we'll go back to the fear. So I'm afraid to say what I believe because I've been yelled at for it, right? Well, that's my responsibility because what do I, who cares if they yell at me? What does it matter? What does it matter? My people pleasing. And so this whole idea of like just turning the mirror on myself so, so closely and so much to the point that I'm like, well, what's my fear? What's my part in this? What, how can I be in the solution? I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to get angry. I don't want to get hot. I love people. That's my whole I didn't even want to do all this to begin with. So I abandoned myself in a way. So then, okay, so I'm afraid to say something to people, right? So I finally get up the guts to say it. And then I realize no one's even really listening. <laughs> so I had all this fear. And I'm like, what? I'm like, nothing even happened? Do you ever, like, you ever have that experience uh, where you're like terrified? And then you say it and you're like, what? No one even heard, what? <laughs> and you say it and then nothing happens. And then you're like, oh my God, now I have to say it again. And then you say it again and then the person you're saying it to their stuff comes up and they want to push it down because they don't want to hear it because they don't want to hear it in themselves. It's projecting in a way, but I don't like to say it in a way that sounds like they're doing it on purpose. They're not doing it on purpose. Their fear is coming. I always say, love the person, push back the fear, push back the behavior. Cause I never knew how I was going to function in the world with all this like crazy behavior. And I didn't want to walk around and be like, people suck. So I'm like, oh, that's what I do. And that's what, and that's the difference. That's what I think is happening. So I was back to the empath. So somehow the 1% has taken over and it's become just about just this disgusting greed that doesn't even do anything, even for them, even for them. I will say that on the record right now, even for the 1%ers, it is not making them happy. And I've been saying this since I was a kid and I, I will stand, I will hold on to that. I don't care if anybody believes me, I don't care. And so now what's happened is that you have these other people who are empaths, if you will, or people, some people that don't wanna have to look at like we bought into this. There's a little bit of that 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 goes on that needs to be done for people to but if you think about it, I always say this on stage. I say, you know, uh if uh you know about Chappelle's always like, Well, racism's more important than sexism, I'm like, Why we gotta one up each other? I'm like, Well if if we all got together, if all the minorities got together, wouldn't we be the major majority? <laughs> and everybody in the audience is kinda they're like, She's right. And it's like, what, well, what is going on? What? What is that? And I'll say that even about women. Like, we're 51% of the vote. Why don't we get, what is going on? Why don't we have more power? What is it? Why is it? Because it's this idea of having to be like, just a tiny bit. And I said this on Audie Lang's podcast. He was like, Sue, what do you think? What do you think the world would have to do in order if it's getting so bad? What do you think? I said, my personal opinion is that I think that if everybody could take a tiny, just a tiny bit, just a little bit of personal. I'm not saying like you're a horrible person. I'm just saying like, even if someone hurts you, see if you can do something different. Just that little, imagine if every, if 99% of us did that tiny bit, the energy in the world would turn. It would turn like crazy, right? And, and they literally called up and they were like, she's a cunt. Swear to God. Then they wrote, she's a cunt. Tell that cunt to shut up. That cunt. <laughs> And I remember thinking, and that's when I started to not get as emotional. Like, I don't get emotional if you tell me I'm awesome, and I don't get emotional if you call me a con or right. tell me I'm awful anymore. So it doesn't matter. Neither one of them gets to me. So I'm able to, like, be pragmatic and go, wow, look at how what a visceral reaction. And already asked me my opinion. It wasn't like I was even butting my head in there. And then to my, back to my responsibility, I take responsibility. Yeah. It is going to trigger people instead of me being like, why are they mad? mad?" I'm like, so how mad were you? Or fuck you too. You're a cunt. No. Yeah. And I don't do that either. Never. And that's the other thing where I started to realize like words come out of my mouth. I'm responsible for it. it. I'm telling you this level of like becoming present that's happened to me is insane. So that being said, I want to make sure I have time to talk about what's going on. I didn't even talk that much about it. Maybe I'll do it next time. But, uh. This whole thing that's going on with the women. It's the sex is one aspect of how we get intimidated. It's just one aspect of it. And for some reason, this thing, this, this animalistic, like, low-level, take-everybody-down type of thing keeps going for it. The press keeps going for it. I have stories that I could tell that would be very, 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 very beneficial to tons of women that would lay out exact things that happen in business that would help them put two and two together for themselves to understand what's going on.
0: You're going to tell them
1: eventually. I'll tell them eventually. Yeah. And the press wants me to tell them, but I'm not telling them to the press unless the press does it the way I want to do it because they keep trying to want to make everything sexual. And I'm like, it's not sexual, but see what I mean? So this is the idea. This is what happens. This is what I'm going to say about this whole idea of abuse, this whole idea of like abusive power and how we can, we, we don't have to do the dance. We don't have to do the dance, but we have to hold on to ourselves a little longer, which we're not taught that. We're taught to instant gratification, fight back, do this, get it, get it, get it. And that never wins. It's just like an addiction. If you have an addiction to drugs, the drugs go in, feels better for a second, then you're worse off afterwards. It's the same thing that happens if you act out. But that's my responsibility to keep saying what I'm saying over and over again. That's when it brings us back to the first time I say it, yes. I'm devastated. So if I didn't heal myself, I would have been devastated because I said it, nobody heard me. Okay. So I get through that. Then the second time I say it, the person hears me and not only do they hear me, but they usually puff up. They get more mad. So it's like, it was hard enough for me to say it to begin with. And now I'm going to say it again. And you're going to, they're going to do anything to get around. Like I said, when somebody's doing something bad to somebody, if you have to be present to say this bad thing's happening, then the other person has to be like, I'm doing a bad thing. I don't want to hold these feelings. So that's the second one. The third one, third or fourth time is usually when things change because somebody has to hold on to, and I'm not saying it's their truth, but it's like this experience that we're having. Like this guy I was out with, he was, um, I was working with him and he kept saying gal. Gal? Gal. He kept saying gal, gal. And I said, you know, that word is very offensive to me. And he's like, oh, I've been saying it all along. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. Blah blah blah." And I'm like, I understand. I'm like, but it's offensive to me. Oh, but you know, I always say it. My friends, they don't mind. And, and then he he was quiet for a second. And then he came back again and he kept saying it. And I was like, okay, you want to work with me. I'm a person. I'm telling you that gal is offensive to me. And you're telling me you want to keep saying it to me. That's what's happening right now. And I said, let's say it the other way. What if you were saying something, I was saying something to you that was offending you. And you said, Sue, please stop saying that. And I said, no. But that's what I'm learning how to do with people. Because I'm taking full responsibility and somebody has to do it. And even with the press, like, no, I'm not going to tell any stories about, and I don't want to take people down. Even the guys that are doing it, I don't want to take them down. Why? Because I don't. Because it's not who I am. That's it. And people look at me and I'm like, yeah, that's the answer. Because I don't take people down. I don't want to do that. And they just, they're like, what? That's what's happening. That, if I become successful in my career or when I become successful in my career, if it's because I did all this work and I'm a badass, which I am, and it helps other people connect dots so that they can become more s- happier or a little lighter or have, feel just as equally as like good about themselves, yeah. then that's, I mean, that lights people up as opposed to me being the big one that everybody looks up to. I, I could never, that role to me, I repelled it like crazy. I don't want to be that. Even this brand company came to me and they're like, well, if you were an expert, I'm like, I'm not an expert. And they're like, yeah, but if you, you, if you were an expert, I'm like, they're like, you have a really big appeal to the middle class. I'm like, yeah, because I'm a regular person. That's most of the world. And they kept saying, but if you were an expert and I'm like, do you even understand what you're saying to me? You appeal to their agenda to
0: sell you a certain way to get what they want.
1: But that's what I learned. And now this is coming full circle. And I think we're going to, we'll end with this because next week, maybe I'll talk about all the stuff that's going on because this was, this went in a way that I didn't even know. So that is what I learned. I didn't even have the self-esteem to see that I had talent. I had my own show on TV and I didn't even feel like I was talented. I didn't. And so what was going on is that that's what I'm realizing and what would, The mechanism, it's not even people, it's the way the world, everybody thinks that's how you survive. So I have this thing, I have this talent, whatever the show, whatever it is, right? And this person wants to come in, take everything from my chest, all of my talent, all of my person, use it to further their agenda, which is negative. That is the one, that is when I really got, that's when I really got, I was like, oh no. When I started to see that, I was like, They're taking my awesomeness and my love, using it, not even giving me enough money for it, and using it to push their negative agenda. And I'm allowing it. That's where I want to go back to. I'm allowing it. That's where I would abandon myself because I didn't know my own worth. And because now it's all—it's almost like it came together. I'm like, I don't even need all that stuff. Because I have my own worth inside that now you can't. I'm like, what are you going to do now? And they, they literally are saying out loud, you scam me so. No, I don't care. I'm like, I love people. And then they're like, they try to do, I am mean, you'd be amazed. The quieter I am, the more they attack, the more they physically try to hurt me, the more they, and that's where the projection comes in, I think. is So that's where people get confused with like, oh, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with you. Yeah. No, it's you can't do bad behavior and say, oh, that has nothing to do with me. Right. But when you're sitting still and it's happening, that's when it's like. And I guess even when people are calling you names, like even if I hurt your feelings, you can't call me a name. That's what I started learn. I learned so much pragmatic stuff. Like even if I'm wrong, you can't treat me that way. Even if I'm wrong, you cannot call me names. And then I started seeing it with my career. I mean, looking over my career for the past 20 something years, I'm like, I have been treated with so much sexism that, and that's the other thing to the women. I mean, I, I said this on stage the other night. The fact that women, everybody's triggered by what's going on right now. All the women, because we've all suffered it. And nobody likes an angry woman. So we're not supposed to be angry, but they keep doing these things that make us angry. And we're not supposed to be angry. And it's like, women are amazing. We are amazing. Guys would have blew the whole world up by now if this was going on. And that's what, and I do think that the feminine energy is taking over now because it has to push back this masculine, you know, this destructive behavior. And I, the whole idea of being a woman is for men. And that is what, for man like I'll tell you there's been so many big powerful guys that have been disgusted tried to fuck with me try to fucking push me around try to fucking take advantage of me and I haven't let them and you know what happens they end up respecting me and, and that's what I say when you say no I don't want to take them down I want to be such a cool motherfucker that I don't ever stoop that I slay them with their own shit because you're healing them in yes. a way instead of taking yes. them down yes show like because they have been doing it for a long time like we have to be in reality they have been getting away with murder for a long time so they're not going to it's a fantasy to think oh they're just going to change no they're not they're they're imagine doing whatever you want forever and then all of a sudden and being terrified of women and then all of a sudden you feel this energy of women coming towards you and the other thing is they're guilty they're terrified it's like a criminal like they're afraid we're going to kill them for what they did to us but we're women, we don't do that. We're way, way, way more like, and that's why they're afraid of us because we're much stronger intellectually and emotionally. And But I don't know, somewhere along the lines, they tricked us into giving them the power because they're afraid of us. And some of us went along with it. And now I want to empower women to be like, no, our femininity, our receptivity, our creativity is what they can, sl- they'll slay their own selves, but that's what we were made for.
0: That's some deep spiritual shit, Sue. I'm telling
1: you i Because mean, you're leading
0: by example.
1: Yeah, and that's what I that is it. I mean, you want to talk about baptism by fire, you want to talk about I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. and I'm showing people like in yoga the other day, I was treated terribly and I got mad. And I got mad and then I did my yoga class and then I was fine and I'm like everybody was uncomfortable that I got mad and I'm like, no, they're in the back of the head they're gonna go, Oh, Sue got mad and then she was fine. Oh, Sue got mad and then she was fine. Oh, oh, maybe I can get mad and then I'll be fine. I won't be mad forever. Oh, I don't have to be fine forever. So yeah, the, nobody wants a sermon. They want to see one. And that's what I am Sue Costello is all about. Like now I'm like walking the walk and I like what, whatever. I want to, and everybody says when they see my play, they get so inspired. And I'm like, oh, you want to light the world on fire? There you go, inspire people. Like what a better way to like, and take all this energy that's going down and like spin it into something good. And that's what I, that's what I'm doing. With my little podcast here. That's that's the first I Am Sue Costello podcast. We're going to we're gonna turn that frown around. Even if you think I'm a cunt, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. You don't even have to like me. I don't even care anymore. Because that's too much pressure. Imagine if somebody's grumpy and you're like, you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? It's all right. You don't have to like me. It's all right. But I'm not. I keep saying some people don't want to hear what I'm saying. I'm not going to stop saying it. You don't have to want to hear it. But I'm not going to stop saying it. And I love people. Even the ones that were horrible mostly the ones that were horrible to me because they made me this person now. It's like and I don't mean like, oh, it's good that people abuse you and I'm glad it all happened. No, ideally I would have rather never have been abused ever in my life, but that's not reality. Just like regrets. People are like, do you have regrets? I'm like, a million. I have a million regrets. <laughs> it would not be real to say I don't have any regrets. I wouldn't grow. But that's what the podcast is going to be. We're going to show the similarities in the through line in our humanity. Me and Waka. One show at a time. It's a beautiful thing. All right, everybody. That's the first, the first in many to come. Joy,
0: yeah, yeah, and pain. Warm it up, warm it up. Like sunshine. What else? And rain. I'll give it to a go to shows and watch other MCs rock,
1: and if they could.